Section twenty four of the Expedition of Humphrey Clinker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Geeson. The Expedition of Humphrey Clinker by Tobias Smollett. Section twenty four. to sir watkin phillips of jesus college oxford so then mistress blackaby's affair has proved a false alarm and i have saved my money i wish however her declaration had not been so premature for though my being thought capable of making her a mother might have given me some credit the reputation of an intrigue with such a cracked picture does me no honour at all. In my last I told you I had hopes of seeing Quinn in his hours of elevation at the tavern, which is the temple of mirth and good-fellowship, where he, as priest of Comus, utters the inspirations of wit and humour. I have had that satisfaction. I have dined with his club at the Three Tons, and had the honour to sit him out. At half an hour past eight in the evening he was carried home with six good bottles of claret under his belt, and it being then Friday, he gave orders that he should not be disturbed till Sunday at noon. You must not imagine that this dose had any other effect upon his conversation but that of making it more extravagantly entertaining. He had lost the use of his limbs, indeed, several hours before we parted, but he retained all his other faculties in perfection, and as he gave vent to every whimsical idea as it rose, I was really astonished at the brilliancy of his thoughts and the force of his expression. Quinn is a real voluptuary in the articles of eating and drinking, and so confirmed an epicure in the common acceptation of the term that he cannot put up with ordinary fare. This is a point of such importance with him that he always takes upon himself the charge of catering and a man admitted to his mess is always assured of eating delicate victuals and drinking excellent wine. He owns himself addicted to the delights of the stomach, and often jokes upon his own sensuality, but there is nothing selfish in this appetite. He finds that good cheer unites good company, exhilarates the spirits, opens the heart, banishes all restraint from conversation, and promotes the happiest purposes of social life. But Mr. James Quinn is not a subject to be discussed in the compass of one letter. I shall therefore at present leave him to his repose, and call another of a very different complexion. You desire to have further acquaintance with the person of our aunt and promise yourself much entertainment from her connection with Sir Ulick MacKilligat. But in this hope you are balked already. That connection is dissolved. 
the irish baronet is an old hound that finding her carrion has quitted the scent i have already told you that mistress tabitha bramble is a maiden of forty-five in her person she is tall raw-boned awkward flat-chested and stooping her complexion is sallow and freckled her eyes are not grey but greenish like those of a cat and generally inflamed her hair is of a sandy or rather dusty hue her forehead low her nose long sharp and towards the extremity always red in cool weather her lips skinny her mouth extensive her teeth straggling and loose of various colours and conformation and her long neck shrivelled into a thousand wrinkles in her temper she is proud stiff vain imperious prying malicious greedy and uncharitable in all likelihood her natural austerity has been soured by disappointment in love for her long celibacy is by no means owing to her dislike of matrimony on the contrary she has left no stone unturned to avoid the reproachful epithet of old maid before i was born she had gone such lengths in the way of flirting with a recruiting officer that her reputation was a little singed she afterwards made advances to the curate of the parish who dropped some distant hints about the next presentation to the living which was in her brother's gift but finding that was already promised to another he flew off at a tangent and mistress tabby in revenge found means to deprive him of his cure her next lover was a lieutenant of a man-of-war a relation of the family who did not understand the refinements of the passion and expressed no aversion to grapple with cousin tabby in the way of marriage but before matters could be properly adjusted he went out on a cruise and was killed in an engagement with a french frigate our aunt though baffled so often did not yet despair she laid all her snares for dr lewis who is the fidosacates of my uncle she even fell sick upon the occasion and prevailed with matt to interpose in her behalf with his friend but the doctor being a shy cock would not be caught with chaff and flatly rejected the proposal so that mistress tabitha was content to exert her patience once more after having endeavoured in vain to effect a rupture betwixt the two friends and now she thinks proper to be very civil to lewis who is become necessary to her in the way of his profession these however are not the only efforts she has made towards a nearer conjunction with our sex her fortune was originally no more than a thousand pounds but she gained an accession of five hundred by the death of a sister and the lieutenant left her three hundred in his will these sums she has more than doubled 
by living free of all expense in her brother's house and dealing in cheese and welsh flannel the produce of his flocks and dairy at present her capital is increased to about four thousand pounds and her avarice seems to grow every day more and more rapacious but even this is not so intolerable as the perverseness of her nature which keeps the whole family in disquiet and uproar she is one of those geniuses who find some diabolical enjoyment in being dreaded and detested by their fellow-creatures i once told my uncle i was surprised that a man of his disposition could bear such a domestic plague when it could be so easily removed the remark made him sore because it seemed to tax him with want of resolution wrinkling up his nose and drawing down his eyebrows a young fellow said he when he first thrusts his snout into the world is apt to be surprised at many things which a man of experience knows to be ordinary and unavoidable this precious aunt of yours is become insensibly a part of my constitution damn her she's a nolly me tangere in my flesh which i cannot bear to be touched or tampered with i made no reply but shifted the conversation he really has an affection for this original which maintains its ground in defiance of common sense and in despite of that contempt which he must certainly feel for her character and understanding nay i am convinced that she has likewise a most virulent attachment to his person though her love never shows itself but in the shape of discontent and she persists in tormenting him out of pure tenderness the only object within doors upon which she bestows any marks of affection in the usual style is her dog chowder a filthy cur from newfoundland which she had in a present from the wife of a skipper in swansea one would imagine she had distinguished this beast with her favour on account of his ugliness and ill-nature if it was not indeed an instinctive sympathy between his disposition and her own certain it is she caresses him without ceasing and even harasses the family in the service of this cursed animal which indeed has proved the proximate cause of her breach with sir ulic mackilligat you must know she yesterday wanted to steal a march of poor liddy and went to breakfast in the room without any other companion than her dog in expectation of meeting with the baronet who had agreed to dance with her in the evening chowder no sooner made his appearance in the room than the master of the ceremonies incensed at his presumption ran up to drive him away and threatened him with his foot but the other seemed to despise his authority and displaying a formidable case of long white sharp teeth kept the puny monarch at bay while he stood under some trepidation fronting his antagonist 
and bawling to the waiter, Sir Ulick MacKilligat came to his assistance, and seeming ignorant of the connection between this intruder and his mistress, gave the former such a kick in the jaws as sent him howling to the door. Mistress Tabitha, incensed at this outrage, ran after him, squalling in a tone equally disagreeable, while the baronet followed her on one side, making apologies for his mistake, and Derrick on the other, making remonstrances upon the rules and regulations of the place. Far from being satisfied with the knight's excuses, she said she was sure he was no gentleman, and when the master of the ceremonies offered to hand her into the chair, she wrapped him over the knuckles with her fan. My uncle's footman being still at the door, she and Chowder got into the same vehicle, and were carried off amidst the jokes of the chairman and other populace. I had been riding out on Clerkendown, and happened to enter just as the fracas was over. The baronet, coming up to me with an affected air of chagrin, recounted the adventure, at which I laughed heartily, and then his countenance cleared up. "'My dear soul,' said he, when I saw a sort of wild beast snarling with open mouth at the master of the ceremonies, like the red cow going to devour Tom Thumb, I could do no less than to go to the assistance of the little man, but I never dreamt the beast was one of Mistress Bramble's attendants. Oh, if I had, he might have made his breakfast upon Derrick and welcome. But you know, my dear friend, how natural it is for us Irishmen to blunder, and to take the wrong sow by the ear. However, I will confess judgment and cry her mercy, and it is to be hoped a penitent sinner may be forgiven. I told him that as the offence was not voluntary of his side, it was to be hoped he would not find her implacable. But in truth all this concern was dissembled. In his approaches of gallantry to Mistress Tabitha, he had been misled by a mistake of at least six thousand pounds in the calculation of her fortune, and in this particular he was just undeceived. He therefore seized the first opportunity of incurring her displeasure decently, in such a manner as would certainly annihilate the correspondence, and he could not have taken a more effectual method than that of beating her dog. When he presented himself at our door to pay his respects to the offended fair, he was refused admittance, and given to understand that he should never find her at home for the future. She was not so inaccessible to Derrick, who came to demand satisfaction for the insult she had offered to him, even in the verge of his own court. She knew it was convenient to be well with the master of the ceremonies, while she continued to frequent the rooms, and, having heard he was a poet, began to be afraid of making her appearance in a ballad or lampoon. She therefore made excuses for what she had done, 
imputing it to the flutter of her spirits, and subscribed handsomely for his poems, so that he was perfectly appeased, and overwhelmed her with a profusion of compliment. He even solicited a reconciliation with Chowder, which, however, the latter declined, and he declared that if he could find a precedent in the annals of the bath, which he would carefully examine for that purpose, her favourite should be admitted to the next public breakfasting. But I believe she will not expose herself or him to the risk of a second disgrace. Who will supply the place of MacKilligate in her affections, I cannot foresee, but nothing in the shape of man can come amiss. Though she is a violent churchwoman, of the most intolerant zeal, I believe in my conscience she would have no objection at present to treat on the score of matrimony with an Anabaptist, Quaker, or Jew, and even ratify the treaty at the expense of her own conversion. But perhaps I think too hardly of this kinswoman, who I must own is very little beholden to the good opinion of yours, J. Melford. Bath, May 6th. End of section 24